This is Bragg, son of Balin, and you're listening to Light the Beacons, a Lotro podcast. Welcome to the world of Middle-earth. calls for aid and Brog shall answer Amon Dean indeed welcome back to Light the Beacons a Lotro podcast focusing on the cosmetorific MMORPG Lord of the Rings Online as well as related topics in books, movies, gaming and the lore of my good friend Jerry Tolkien this is episode number 38 creeping up on 42 and I am your host Brag of the Lonely Mountain Keeper of Mysteries and Dwarf of Ill Repute. I am broadcasting live from temporary Middle Earth wide headquarters in the depths of Imlad Balkorth. And what are we doing here, you might ask? Well, it's very simple. Uh, we're, we're hunting wabbits. Uh, actually, we are hunting the great pink sea snail. No, that's not it. What is it again? Uh, is it the chupacabra? Um, the Yeti, the wild, uh, Yeti. No. Oh, I know what it is. It is the legendary hewn giant arm shard dropper of ill repute that is rumored to have wandered the lands of Imlod Balcourt for many years. And I never, ever, ever saw it here. Only heard of it in tale and in anecdote. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, good friends over at uh, Lotro Reporter were just talking about it last week. And I was going to go into this episode saying that I had never, ever, ever seen it before. Long speculated, but never personally verified. Until yesterday in a small sortie I made to this area researching. Yes, I do do research for this podcast occasionally. I know some of you viewers out there may think I do it totally extemporaneously, given the visuals that are imparted, but there is some research involved. And lo and behold, as I rode up on Nimlod Balcorth, what did I find but the hewn giant arm crawling across the grass towards me, and I followed it around for a good couple of minutes, took a, some, some fun screenshots. I'll see if I can post one of those out to ltb.com. And uh, eventually I had to kill it. Had to kill it because I wanted to see it rear up and smack me. And it was cool. It was not quite as big as I thought it would be. Um, but uh, it does exist. And for the first time in playing this game in seven going on eight years, I found it on the plains of Inlad Balcourt. So I'm going to range out here again and see what other shard droppers we can find. There's usually one kind of sitting a little to the west of the main road that uh, that travels through Angmar. And in a couple minutes, I'm going to venture down and see what might be there. Couldn't possibly find it two days in a row, so I'll have to satisfy myself with yesterday. But we'll see what we see. Um, and uh, so today I am I am in Imlad Balcourt. And uh, uh, 
and uh, it's actually a clear day in Angmar. It's very surprising. Um, you don't usually see it this clear. There's a light drizzle, and uh, you know maybe a persistent fog in the area, but the fog is deep off. I can just see the the uh, farther furthermost mountains obscured by it. And the visuals actually across the plains of Inlad Balcorth are pretty clear today. Um, I can see a vast gray and dark brownish ochre plain. And uh, to the east, I see the, the mountains of Merkworth, uh, or the site of Merkworth on the mountains that kind of split the plain between Imlad Balcorth and, uh, and Barad Guleran. Uh, and the, the Dwarven Sturkhold of, of Merkworth. And as I look directly south, right now I'm standing on top of the plateau that's called Fervar. Uh, so if I look behind me, I can see uh, basically structures similar to what you see in the Barrow Downs in Bree. Maybe a little more purpley, a little more gray. Um, you know, those same strange carvings on the tombstones, a little more elaborate, I think, in terms of its representation. And the doorways are covered with these uh, kind of golden, um, you know, they almost look like uh, hippogriffs or some kind of, you know, ancient structure. There, there are these columns that are carved into the stone, and then the lintels are kind of this ancient stone piled around. And of course, as I walked up to the door, two whites jumped out out of the ground, tried to surprise me, but I am too veteran and wily for them, so they are not attacking right now. So there's uh, this gold kind of uh, uh, patterns that are drawn upon most of the doorways up here in Fervar. And the reason I'm up here, it's one of the best views in Imlad Balcourt, unless you go to the um, some of the locations on the southern edge. I can see uh, you know, brownish-green pools uh, and uh, you know, ups kind of upswing of rocks that uh, kind of launch to the sky in various formations. The uh, the various barrows are kind of carved into the, the rambling plain. And uh, I see a, a few trees that are completely bare of any kind of um, any kind of leaves. They look almost like silver malhorns with the detail that they have. Uh, but uh, it's hard to how to hard to tell how they're hanging on to life if there is any life left. This uh, region has been ravaged by the the poisons emanating from it in recent years. And I'm going to go ahead and go down this very long rickety staircase here from Fervar down to the bottom plains, past a few whites uh, walking by that all have little purplish auras attached to them. Uh, if you get too close, you'll get feared. And I see some Bargazi. Here and there, I see a few small, uninteresting decaying hands crawling around. Actually, I like the decaying hands. The, it's a cool touch. They're well done. It's one of the cooler monsters in Lotro. I know you see them at an early age in the Barrows, but, but come on, they're neat. That's why the hewn giant arm is so cool. Uh, as I come a little further um, west, I can start to see dread mists down in the valleys. Uh, that also populate Imlad Balcorth. Right now, I am not seeing a shard dropper in the vicinity. Uh, there are some other shard droppers that I've seen here in the past, and that I've I saw when I was exploring this region the other day. I did have a reason for exploring the region, but I'm going to save that a little bit, um, save some of that detail for a section further in the podcast. Um, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, why, why I returned to Imlad Balcorth and why I think you might want to return to Imlad Balcorth in the future. 
but that's enough of an intro for today. It's a good location for LTB MEWHQ. And let's move into our second beacon and a review of our agenda. Okay, we are at Ilanok. First, it's time for CRAP. Always a lot of CAP or CRAP in this podcast. Corrections, retractions, and apologies from last week. So, last episode, we offended Osgiliath, PVM peers, competent war leaders, humanity, uh, the Nazgul, real poets, slumbering ents, and human shields. And to you all, uh, except for maybe the Nazgul, I issue a solemn and very heartfelt sorry. Uh, viewer comments. We didn't have any viewer comments because there's no such thing as viewers. Well, we're debating it. it it's, it's in study. It's being tabled. Uh, but nobody wrote in. Uh, apparently nobody loves a narcissistic alcoholic dwarf. Nobody liked the poem I wrote. That's okay. I wrote it for myself. I enjoyed it. Um, community spotlight. I did want to mention that over the last few um Really, the last month or two, there have been some some new authors out on the Lotro Player site that I have really enjoyed that I wanted to mention specifically. Uh, there have been two fantastic articles by Calais Starshine um, on Lotro Players. One having to do with imbuement of legendary items, and the other having to do with um, the essence grind in Lotro. And both of the articles are very wittily written from the perspective of a character who's trying to understand how to navigate these new systems. Uh, they contain a lot of hard data, actually, about the process and helps uh, with comparisons for the layman to lay it out for you as far as what, uh, what you get for the amount of effort that you put into those two processes. And they're very educational and very well done. Um, you know, you can you can basically weigh the pros and cons for yourself. I think it does make a good case for both imbuement and essence to make your characters stronger. If perhaps you know, per my gripe that I've ranted about in the past, a little less well-rounded um, in certain respects. Um, in addition, there's a new author that's joined the ranks of Ultra players recently called Alfroff. And Alfroth has uh, done a series of lore articles, which he's submitted, which kind of, um, you know, explore the world that Turbine has created in terms of some of the references to Tolkien's actual Middle Earth. You know, sometimes the links are, you know, taken directly from the text. Sometimes the links are somewhat tenuous, and sometimes they're more blatant. blatant. But yeah, and sometimes, obviously, they're fabricated, but you know, based on the tone and and direction and spirit of the books themselves. And really, it's some of these gray areas in between that turn out to be um, you know very interesting. But um, as Alfroth points out, there's lots of places in the game where if you look closely, you will see uh, the world lovingly referenced or created or reproduced. And uh, recent articles in in, uh, in recent weeks, he's looked at some of the statuary that you can find in Rivendell and the Shire. I'm sure there's one coming uh, for the dwarves, I hope soon. Um, but, uh, you know, talking about because of the detail, who you can speculate they might reference from Tolkien's lore. Um, there have been articles about the uh, origins of certain beasts and beastlies out in the landscape and how they're rooted in the lore. Uh, reference to references to the blue wizards that I've discussed in the past, and and several other things in there. So uh, they're all very well uh, researched and um, point out some of the more interesting love and care that's taken by the devs to get things right as far as their recreations of Middle Earth. 
and really helps you appreciate uh, some of those fine touches. Uh, so great job, Alfroth. I've enjoyed those very much. And I would be remiss if I didn't also mention the fact that this past, <clears throat> I think Monday or Tuesday, was the premiere episode of the Lore of Middle-Earth series uh, that was produced by a number of folks at Lotro Players as well as uh, you know other prominent members of the community. <coughs> You've probably seen it tweeted about if you're out on the, uh, on the web, um, if you listen to other Lotro podcasts and... Um, and uh, pay attention to some of these things. You will have seen it referenced many a time, and uh, and all the accolades are well deserved. It's a uh, it's lovingly done. There's a very meticulous craft to it. Um, it's got uh, wonderful text that's been researched. It uh, you know based on graphics from you know that have been uh, you know placed from in the game as well as other games that can simulate some of the. Uh, some of Tokian's world and some of the areas that would be more difficult to replicate uh, in Turbine's Middle-Earth, specifically some of the kind of large, you know, mass-produced battles that need to be represented uh, that are done through other game engines. And uh, it's all knitted together with beautiful music from the Lonely Mountain Band um, and narrated by Braxwolf, the dulcet tones of Braxwolf, <laughs> as I'm sure he would uh, be happy to hear me reference. And uh, it's, it's extremely well done. So the first episode is all about the, the Shire, the history of the Shire, and obviously the events that become history through the, uh, through the actions of our intrepid explorers, Bilbo Frodo and his companions. And, uh, you know, it goes back in time to, from before, you know, touch about the origins of the region and, uh, you know, also about some of the, what happens to it after in the appendices. So really well done. Looking forward to enjoying these, um, you know, going forward. And if you do as well, and realize the amount of time and and um, and effort that's going into these broadcasts, uh, hopefully you'll support Lotro players through their Patreon campaign. Um, Okay, from a forums insider standpoint, well, the server transfer article was published this past week by uh, in a dev diary by Turbine, and uh, based on that, I have stayed as far away from the forums as is humanly possible. Um, now, I think uh, you know most of the opinions that I've read have said this seems to be a fairly well thought out uh, migration plan. Uh, by turbine that is fair and equitable as far as you know as far as you can be handling this type of delicate um, you know delicate operation um, it seems to be well thought through it seems to be have the the best interests of as many people as possible in mind um, you know and it uh, basically uh, it needs to bear out the implementation of it needs to be borne out to see how well they execute I'm sure there are going to be some issues here and there. It's it's almost inevitable of something of this complexity, and you start digging around and understanding, you know, some of the issues you might have with the, some of the deeper parts of your data over time and so forth. So, um, so I don't think there's a lot to wring your hands about, and yet, uh, you know, in an MMO community, there's an endless capacity to wring your hands. Um, so I'm sure there's some criticism flying out there. I'm sure there's very people that are very nervous about the situation. And, um, you know, as, uh, as other podcasts I've listened to have said in the past, sweet sassy molassy, time to head for the fallout shelters. Or uh, my current favorite quote coming from Com Contains Moderate Peril, we're talking about a total toys out of the pram situation here. <laughs> I just love that expression. <laughs> Only the British. Um, 
So, uh, you know, I'm sure there's some hand-wringing going on, you know, and some of it's well-deserved. You know, I would say if there's one thing that took me by surprise with the announcements, it was the number of servers that they were uh, getting rid of and consolidating down from. Uh, from 29 down to 10, so a full two-thirds, you know, there will be lesser populated servers, obviously, so maybe call it half the population, but still, uh, you know, moving to a more populated server for, for some of the more... You know, uh, for some of the more deserted ones, might have tripled or quadrupled a population, but add consolidation on top of that, and I think people from the less popular servers might be looking at, you know, who knows, five, six, seven, you know, maybe ten times the population they're used to, and that's going to be quite an adjustment. Um, being a proud villain, I will say, you know, I hear people talk all the time about how they can't stand world chat, you know, with all the trolling going on and. You know the the numb the numbness that can occur there with uh, with a lot of the you know, hijinks and so forth. Vilia is, is got you know it's got a share of trolls like any other server would, but in general it's a very positive community. I've enjoyed being there very much over the years, and uh, I'm a little concerned going onto a server as populous as Brandywine. You know, doubled or tripled even. Of what that's going to do to the world chat, uh, will I be forced to turn it off, uh, which I've never really felt necessary to do in the past on Vilia. It's quite possible um, the tenor of the community might change in some of the remaining servers. But, uh, you know, there's enough choices there that you can hopefully find what you're looking for. And certainly it's going to help grouping and kinning and auctioning and all those other fun things. So, um, you know, a lot of people have given their opinions about the server transfer thing. I am bullish right now. Uh, once we get past the transfers and the hardware upgrades, uh, you know there could be some some uh, anxious moments uh, with some poor performance until they finalize all those moves. But as I've said in the past, I'm excited about the end uh, the end game for Lotro here. So um, again, stay away from the forums if you value your life. So, in this week's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been doing in the game these past few weeks. We're going to premiere another in our ongoing series of top 10 lists, this one with a very apropos treatment on shard droppers. We're going to talk a little bit about our recent return and re-exploration of Imlad Balkov. Imlad Balkov, one of the original endgame zones during the early uh, Shadows of Angmar days. And if there's any time remaining, we will try to reanimate some severed limbs. So let's move on to our third beacon. Nardal is aflame. Let's talk a little bit about this week in gaming and other Toki news. Um, So, what other games I've been playing? I did turn on Ori and the Blind Forest the other day. I do intend to get to the end of that game. Back to it, I should say. Uh, You know, when a new update from Lotro comes out, there's uh, quite a bit of uh, preoccupation that occurs. And then, obviously, the summer months have interfered with some of my other gaming uh, objectives. I do, um, I do want to mention there's a game that's out that I have been hearing more and more people saying is maybe the best game uh, that they've seen in a number of years, and certainly the best game out there right now. And that is called Witcher 3. If you guys have heard of it, I've seen some footage. I've watched some videos. The graphics are amazing. Apparently, the story is amazing. Apparently, the game is amazing. So I could see that being a title that I might be interested in the future, but for now it's going to get in line behind Orient the Blind Forest, Portal, Portal 2, Batman, Arkham Asylum, Mass Effect 2, Bioshock Trilogy, Drake's Deception, and Skyrim. 
And I should finish all those games sometime around the year 2025, at which point Witcher 3 might be uh, uh, about 50 cents. So that'll be good timing. Uh, what have I been doing in Lotro? Well, Bragg has been out there doing a little bit of PVMP. Um, the Freeps seem to be outnumbering the Creeps on Vilia currently, but it does come in waves here and there. And again, the same criticism I've heard is that uh, it's kind of a bowling alley fight back and forth across the Great Bridge. So hopefully the devs are hearing the feedback and figuring out some mechanisms to help spread the fight out to some of the uh, some of the wings. And as I was thinking about this problem today, the the alternative that occurred to me that I think would be kind of a neat mechanic is if um, you know on some kind of regular schedule, say like every 20 minutes. A dynamic and random objective appeared somewhere in the maze and was greeted by some text alerting everybody that uh, you know that there was basically a randomly placed objective that uh, you know in the first first person or group or fellowship to find it and hold it for five minutes would receive some kind of some kind of reward whether it's commendations or brand or you know basically someone in the party would get some kind of reward or, or everybody would would buy into some kind of reward and uh you know would give players a reason to range out there and, and make things a bit more a bit more dynamic so true pvm peers might not like that but um that was uh, what occurred to me as one potential option to kind of spread the spread the love um Aside from that, Bragg has been doing a little bit more deeding, trying to clear his area door deed tab. Um, and I finally completed Even Dim. It's completely empty now. When I went back there, I had, uh, you may remember from last episode, I finished off Gwaradain, uh, Giants, and Salamanders, I believe, leading only um, two objectives after that. Limfrain, that's a fun one. And... Um, a deed called Leaders of the Invasion, which is basically all the different uh, all the different bosses from the different Anuminas instances that were out there. So, um, so I I went out and uh, started at, started running uh, a version of Hog Valandil. Hog Valandil is kind of the redheaded stepchild of the Anuminas cluster. Uh, Glingant is one of the most commonly run right now after Sandborg on our server because it's very fast and it's very easy to coordinate a pug for it. Um, and it's got decent rewards for the time invested. Basically, you can do the whole run in 10 to 15 minutes, 10 minutes if you know what you're doing, really, and uh, you know get decent rewards. So on par with Sandborg, and for people bored with Sandborg, it's a nice, nice alternative. I actually enjoy running Glingant. And then the other one is obviously uh, Hod... Uh, Hod... Lendl and Hod uh, Ostalendl, I think, is the other one, uh, which is again more commonly done in in my experience. But Hod Valandil's not run very often on my server, and um, uh, I actually went through Bragg, uh, went through it on Bragg on level 100 because I knew there were a number of Limfrain in that instance, and I could burn down that deed at the same time as hopefully getting some of the end bosses. And Bragg was actually able to clear all the trash. It's a six-man instance on level 100, and my sturdy guardian was able to clear all the trash in the main chamber uh, you know, fairly easily and even take down the first boss, Shin Grinder, um, on level 100 by himself. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I would say for a group, you'd be able to race through this part of the content pretty quickly. Um, however, I did run into trouble uh, trying to solo the second boss uh, fight within the instance on level 100. 
uh, because of the reflective damage mechanic that's there. So I ratcheted down to level 50 and ran through the instance that way. And um, the, uh, the both the limb frame and the boss is still counted against the deeds. So that was an easy way to get that done. Um, you know, I put out a call for a group, didn't find one right away, and just ran it on 50, figuring it would be easier. So why is Hoglandle not run that frequently? Uh, you know, it's not a tank and spank. You actually have to speak to each other to win, so it's not bugged as much. Uh, the first boss fight, Shin Grinder, has uh, a knockback, which will knock you off the bridge and um, and kill you if, you, uh, if you're not careful with that. Uh, but a good tank will position himself so that he's knocked back straight, and that won't be a problem. Uh, that's not really the difficult one. When you get past Shin Grinder, though, there's... Um, burning limb frame that come onto the bridge in waves. I think there's ten waves. Uh, five single ones and then five double limb frame. And uh, they have 100% reflective damage. Um, so although they don't have a lot of morale, even at for, you know, for level 100, I think they're only maybe 7 or 14k. Uh, every time you hit one, you're taking down your own. And unless you have significant self-heal, um, you're going to have a problem. If you burn them down quickly enough so they don't pile up, um, then you're going to burn yourself down just as quickly, and if you take your time, then they'll pile up, and eventually the DPS will be too much for them all. In a group, it's not a problem, as long as you have a healer healing the person who's damaging the limb frame, and you avoid AoE, so you're not getting you know, reflective damage of 15k across 6 or 7 mobs when you take a swing, you'll be fine. But um, you do have to coordinate with your group, so if they're aware of the mechanic, and uh, don't kill themselves before the mini can get to them. It takes a little bit of patience. Um, then the final fight, Dolvathor and Valandil himself. Dolvathor is a, is a spirit that calls out Valandil, who uh, comes out as a, basically a reanimated white. And the two of them, the challenge is to kill both of them within 10 seconds of each other. So you have to kind of measure back and forth between the two. I think they both have... Um, reflective damage and some kind of acid debuff as well. Um... And I know I've run these instances before, so I'm not sure why Bragg didn't have them register as bosses. Maybe I did them on the alts. It was hard for me to believe that I'd never run them on Bragg. Um, so anyway, I got to all the bosses from the three Anuminas instances from Bag to finish Leader of the Invasion. And uh, one note on that one, if you um, after you kill Shin Grinder, if you sit on that last bridge, they'll send an endless stream of Limfrain out to you one at a time about every seven or eight seconds um and so i sat there and i was watching a tv show and every every 10 seconds or so i'd reach over and click on a limb frame and uh, that's how i worked through my limb frame deed just sitting there in the instance uh, as they perpetually were generated so that's an easy way to do that um so with my deed log in even dim uh clean i said my goodbyes to the lake of ninuriel and headed out to angmar Thus, the subject of this episode. So, what did I have left to do in Angmar? Well, two Slayer Deeds. Worms and Whites. Worms means one thing. The southern tip of Malinhad, a little bit west of Gabel Shather. There's a little peninsula that sticks out from the uh, salt flats, and it's filled with worms. There's a little guy in there that you can rescue and bring word back to the town uh, west, or, yeah, west of that location. So that was an easy run around and uh, kill of worms. I like it when they're nice and concentrated for the Slayer Deeds where you don't have to do too much waiting. 
not bad at all, especially with an accelerator, which I have plenty of thanks to Hobbit Presence, and a lockbox or two. And the second Slayer deed left was whites. That means one thing. Imlad Balcorth. Or, sorry. Imlad Balcorth. Uh, more on that later. Uh, final deed in Angmar was to collect treasure caches. So it was time for a tour to Angmar. And um, if you've seen the map or if you've done the deed, you can see that they're liberally sprinkled all the way around. And if you're going to catch them all, you're going to do a nice little tour of the scenery. So while I was touring around Angmar, picking up treasure caches, and what I generally do is, um, you know, there's maps out there. You do a quick search. Uh, I know the Department of Strategery, I believe, has all the treasure cache maps out there. They do a good job with that. Um, what I like to do is get the general location, so look at it from a big picture, and then kind of hunt it down myself, uh, you know, knowing the map and the most likely locations. And if I'm searching too long and I get a little frustrated, I'll check the coordinates just to kind of vector in on it a little bit. But I give myself a big hint so I know I'm in the right place, and then I like to hunt around a little bit, make it more fun. Uh, so as I'm traveling around Angmar, I did a little bit of killing, just some of the old gang, Bloodwing, a Caithling. Bogbreath and Tarach e Bogbreath, uh, the uh, door warden Gortharog of Karn Doom, some random dudes in Dunkovad, and for heck's sake, I rode out through the gates of Uyor to map the new stable route in Eorelin's camp out by the rift. I love that part of the map, boy. The gates of Uyor are cool. And I can just picture back in the old day at level 50 with a big party of people trying to fight your way through. Cargul, dragons, giant, uh, fire giants, uh, gaunt lords, and who knows what else in that corner of the map. Must have been nasty. Um, so, the Gath Yuar, by the way, I just felt like looking this up, and you can find these translations out there easily enough. Translates to the Cavern of Everlasting Fear. Love it. Well done, Turbine. Uh, surprisingly, it didn't run into any roving threats on the map. I know uh, there's a couple of them down in the uh, Salt Flats of uh, Eastern Malinhad and uh, a couple near the Arena of Maithad, but uh, those aren't near the treasure caches, so it didn't run into any of those. Um, and as you travel around, uh, you know, up the western side through the, through the Hillman camp, uh, towns, up the, the back staircase to Karn Doom, past the Karn Doom entrance, Tarman Sur. Uh, through, you know, northern, around uh, Garth Forthner, through the Valley of Death, around Barrett Gularan, and then uh, off to the Rift. So one thing that comes through again and again. This is a beautiful zone. <laughs> I know people think Angry Mar, and there's people that hate questing there. I just think, I think it's one of the most beautiful zones in the game. Uh, it's a masterpiece. The, uh, the Hillman towns, you know, the, the, the crypts. I mean, if, if you look at some of the locations, they do a good job of leaving you overlooks around the zone where you can get a real nice view of what's going on. I could just imagine penetrating to Karn Doom for the first time and kind of like getting the view from Tarman Sewer and seeing what lies ahead. It's everywhere you look, there's epic scenery. Imlad Balkorth, Arena of Maythad, the Rift. Um, you know, Dunkovad and the other city that's there, you know, all the back stairs. It's, uh, it's a masterful zone. Yes, it's dangerous, and yes, it's deadly. And those are the same things. So you viewers out there, good catch on that one. Um, but stop viewing, will you? And uh, 
it's uh, ominous and foreboding and everything that Angmar is meant to be, and I think it's just beautiful. It's a beautiful zone. My favorite, maybe my favorite, my favorite zone next to Moria. And I know people that say, "Oh, I just can't stand questing in Moria or Angmar." Well, those are my two favorites. So yes, I'm a little weird that way, but you know, I'm a dwarf. So what can I say? Uh, what else did Bragg do? Well, I participated a little bit in the summer festival. Uh, and particular, one particular thing that was been bothering me for some time, the deeds for the keg races and the taste of Hobbiton. I went into, uh, went into the festival having, I think, seven or eight of twelve races picked for the dwarves and nine of twelve for the hobbits. And I was not going to be denied on this one, so I, I set up camp, and when I was doing other things, every hour I'd go back in and try to get a race in. And just uh, two days before the festival ended, just two days ago, I uh, finished off the, my last, ooh, I think it was Colmar's Credulity in the uh, in the Dwarven race. And I now have the title of Picky Picker, which means I can <laughs> heave. Uh, and the emote was really the big inducement there. There's no question about it. Here, let me see if it makes a sound. Can you guys hear the... I put on some evil Angmar music in the background. Let me see if you can hear me heave. Close enough. You got the idea. Um, so now I can heave. And, um, you know, I'm Mr. Creosalt with a Waffer Thin Mint. And uh, I also collected the both the horse and the cape of Nairi. N-A-I-R-I-E. Uh, actually thought both those, uh, the horse and the cosmetic uh, for the cape were both very nicely done. So I picked up those cosmetics, and all those Hobbit and Dwarf runs have a lot of extra tokens, and nothing that I felt like spending it on for this go-round. So I'm going to save them up for next year. And uh, I may have seen my last Hobbit and Dwarf race, I'll tell you that. I think I'm about done with those. Well, one thing I like about the dwarf races, they have the extra quest in there that you can pick up while you're waiting for the race, so you can do something while you're standing around. They really should have put one of those in the Hobbit zone, too. Uh, would have been a good touch. So, um, Bragg fixes Lotro. Devs, get on that. Uh, my Bjorning did not get any action this week. My Minstrel, continuing to chip away at some Dole Amroth daily runs, uh, the training exercises and getting rep for some of the other DA areas. So I completed the quest for the bank and armory this week and can take those options now in the training exercise. Uh, the armory is the Toll Fennis quests, which are pretty easy. Uh, you row out to the island and uh, kill some sick Corsairs and burn their boats and stuff like that. And then the bank is Tarling's Crown. So I did have a Tarling's Crown group Um Heard some people calling for it. I knew I had those outstanding on the mini. So uh, we had a group of five that went out there, which is a kind of spare for Tarling's crown. Um, I think you'd like to have six or more to be a little more comfortable and uh, a little less uh, a little less careful around some of the camps there. Um, our tank, unfortunately, had uh, no voice on. That's usually a bad sign. So we spent a lot of time going, okay, tank, okay, tank, start the fight, tank. You have to type it in. Um, so uh, the group got tired of that, and they cut out eventually, but not before I finished most of my quests that I needed for uh, bank rep. And so I've got that cleared away, which is nice. And uh, spent most of the tokens I'd accumulated on five or six Amphala Scrolls of Empowerment, working on the um, imbued weapon that I gave my mini. 
my Cappy cleared the last two Rangers in a Skilliath that needed to be searched for, and he is now officially uh, ready for the three mans and the Ashes, um, the Ashes quest line. So that's good. Uh, Loremaster and Berg logged him in to clear some mail and uh, process some stuff. That's about it. Turn in some tasks. Hunter, RK, Champ, Warden, nope, 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 nope. Last thing I did this week in game was um, a reflection of the server transfers. I started thinking about it. Several years ago, I went out on the majority of the servers out there, uh, the U.S. ones at least, and created a character named Bragg on each one, uh, you know, and got them somewhere between level 2 and 5, so not even out of the intro in most cases. Um... I would say 80% of the servers I was able to get my regular name and uh, the other 20% I had to add maybe an extra G on there because it was already taken. Uh, so I logged into all five of the surviving servers uh, that have been announced by Turbine uh, to make sure that my brags had been logged in sometime in the last year. And the reason I'm doing that is because I'm not certain yet where I'm going to be moving now that Vilia is closing down. <laughs> But um, wherever I go, I wanted to be sure that uh, there wasn't another brag out there that transferred before me and took the name from, uh, you know, for, from the character that hadn't been logged into in over a year. Uh, so now I have uh, primary brags on those servers, which should be able to keep the name intact. And I'm hoping it, it will work that when I'm ready to transfer um, my character from Vilia, I'll be able to quickly delete the brag from that server that I own and then do the transfer and preserve my name, hopefully. Um, so two of the servers had the brag with double G, Brandywine and Crick Hollow, so those two might be out. <laughs> uh, of course, the, the brags that are on those servers might not have logged in in the last year either, in which case it's, uh, you know, the point might be moot. But, um... You know, if you don't know where you're going to move yet, there's only five servers. It might be worth your time to go out and create characters to reserve your name, uh, just so someone else doesn't scoop it up before you move. So that's my uh, little tip for transfer migrations this week. And with that, I think we're ready to move on to the Beacon of Aralas. Light them up, boys! Aralas, this week we have a top ten list. It's apropos for our subject for the evening. And the list is, in the top ten hewn body parts, I would like to see recreated as shard droppers in the game. Okay, so we, we know that we ran into the hewn giant arm, which was rather cool. Here are ten other hewn body parts I would like to see recreated as shard droppers in the game. Number ten, Rook's comb over. Number nine, Dragok's front left foot. Oh, wait, that's kind of already in the game. Um, number eight, General Talug's codpiece. This armor is hampering my reflexes. Yeah, I know what you mean. Number seven, Lobelia Sackville Baggins' umbrella arm. Just think how cool it would be if it was crawling around on the ground and like, beating you over the head with the umbrella. Number six, Baromir's head blowing the horn of Gondor. Or maybe just his lips. That would be kind of creepy. Burp, 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 burp. Uh, we can get uh, Band of Brass to knock it with his stick down a hole. Number five, Treebeard's Log, if you know what I mean. Number four, Shadowfax Hooves. It'd be like having two empty halves of coconuts and banging them together. Number three, the Eye of Sauron. Just get rid of it, and then we'd be done. Number two, Glowwine's Prostate. And number one, Grima's Wart-Covered Nose. 
Yeah. I suppose you think that's very funny. Okay, take it easy, Grima. Take it easy. It's just a joke. The wart on your nose is clearly too large to allow for any kind of rolling ambulation across the terrain of Middle Earth. So back off. That is our top ten list for this week. Let's move on to our next beacon. Sure would be fun to take down Glowon's prostate, I have to admit. Uh, fifth Beacon, Minraman. Now, the original word from our sponsor segment. This episode of Light the Beacons is brought to you by Barrow Brie again. It's like putting Dark Maw Master Pooh in your favorite fondue. Barrow Brie, the favorite of incontinent balrogs everywhere. Try Barrow Brie on your mac and cheese. It makes a hobbitami fill up with glee and poison. Barrow Brie, our longest running sponsor here at uh, Light the Beacons. With that, we'll move on to Callanhat. This week in Callanhat, for our primary segment, we have a region spotlight Imlad Balkorth. Imlad Balkorth, again, going to my handy dandy translations out there. Imlad uh, or Valley, Balk, Cruel, and Gorth, the Dead. Translates to Valley of the Cruel Dead. Nice job, Turbine, again. So the primary quest hub for Imlad Balkorth is the uh, is the the mountaintop retreat of the dwarves that you're pointed to after your uh, questing in Gable Shather. Um, it seems like a kind of a tenuous position to create a camp. So the story goes that the dwarves, um, in the days before the rise of, of uh, the evil powers again in Angmar, uh, decided to try to explore the area for riches, of course, as dwarves do. And uh, discovered over time that it was devoid of any. <laughs> and, but kind of got stuck there as the evil powers arose around them. So uh, as you go to Merkwith, uh, you talk with one of the gentlemen there, and, and here's uh, basically his text. Angmar was avoided by my people long ago, for many things dwelled here that are better left alone. When we thought them gone, we foolishly came seeking wealth in this barren land. Unfortunately, with the coming of the false king, those fell things have been awakened. Perhaps the worst of the creatures which dwell here are the fell spirit demons which have existed in Middle-earth since the first age of this world. At the height of the witch realm of Angmar, the witch king had power to command these spirits, and it is said that there are other creatures which have a similar power. It was these spirits that the Witch King sent to the Barrow Downs after the passing of Carterland. It is these spirits who stir the bones of the dead. I bid you to go west into Imlad Belkwath and confront these demons. Claim the tokens of Angmar they carry, and perhaps we can use the tools of the enemy to banish the fell spirits from Middle-earth. Um, so what brought me to Imlad Balkorth? Well, I had to deed whites, and also I had to find the treasure catch, which is located there. There are two of them in the in the region. One is on the southern edge, along uh, up some some rather precarious stairs, and um, back amongst a, 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 an enclave of Angmarum. And the other is uh, basically on a small island at the base of the fell water source, which pours down from Urugarth. And I have to admit, I'm always excited. It doesn't happen very often anymore, but now and again, 
when I find a new flag location on the map that I had never spotted before. Uh, you know, with the number of characters I've brought alts that I've brought through the game and trying to do different things with each of them and make sure I've tried quests I've never done before, there aren't too many flags left out there left to be discovered. Um, this was one of them. There are no quests in Merkwith that I'm aware of that take you back to this area and really no reason to go there. So I had, uh, I had been in the western reaches of Imlad Balcor, the southwestern reaches, but I had never taken the path into the northwest to the base of the waterfall, which is uh, the location called Aglanthir. And um, there's a, re uh, not too bad, but maybe complicated enough that some people got frustrated trying to jump there. Uh, across the fell water, which will kill you instantly if you touch it, of course, and uh, to the island where you can find the treasure cache. So there are some videos out there to show you the path if you're having trouble finding it. And uh, as I got out to the island, the new flag for Eglanthir was discovered. Um, so as I'm patrolling around Imlad Balkorth and kind of uh, you know, revisiting the zone and remembering some of its little nuances. Uh, I found, um, you know, I was looking for the giant hand, obviously, the hewn giant arm. Uh, but I found a different, uh, a different shard dropper there that I had never seen before as well. His name was Balkorth. Balkorth himself. And from the translation, we know it means cruel dead. So uh, I took that as a sign that there was a... There was an evil white lord called Balkorth that ruled over that domain, but I was mistaken. Um, he certainly bared the name of the zone, but I uh, don't think he was ever meant to be kind of the central figure behind the zone. Um, that mantle lies elsewhere. So there is a, a, demon, a demon white shard dropper called Balkorth. Looks like he's uh, skipped too many meals. He's got a rather thin torso. Uh, but... Uh, you know, obviously level 45 or 50 or whatever he is. And uh, besides that, um, I had to do my white slayer deed. And so I was looking for a good concentration of whites when I came across a great idea. Um, if you remember from the epic quest line, there is a little doorway uh, south of Merkworth along the eastern wall, kind of along the path where the Angmar messenger runs back and forth, um, that you go to to try to find Goladir's breastplate hidden, and it's called Dolandath. And uh, I went and looked at the door, and I remember doing this previously, so I kind of knew you could do this, but you don't have to have the epic quest line to go in there. Basically, it's a little mini instance that you can run as many times as you want. And if you don't need the breastplate, you don't have to open up the chest at the end, but at the same time, you can go through all the whites in there. Um, so... Dolandath, uh, with a Slayer Deed in place, I could do about 32 whites You know, every time I went through the cave, which took about 3 or 4 minutes. So 32 whites every 3 or 4 minutes, multiply that but for needing about 250, and got the whole thing done within a half hour, deeding whites within Dolandath. Um, so here's some of the primary quest lines in Imlad Belkuth. Uh, first of all, there's the Highwaymen, which is the where the dwarves send you down to kill the Angmar messenger to stop the flow of money to the north, to the north downs. And uh, if you complete that, you learn that there is um, an Angmarum that's behind kind of the money moving back and forth uh, between Angmar and um, and the north downs. And it's uh, his name is Mol Kulum, and it says you can find him in the library. So I still remember doing this first quest, this quest the first time. 
And uh, if you know anyone who was around during the Shadows of Angmar days and did Imlad Balkorth on level, they will tell you it was a pain in the neck to try to solo. It was a dangerous zone. <laughs> um, there was lots of nasty stuff to run into there. The whole western half was really meant to be you know, more for groups. But you have to move through there to do some of these quests if you're trying to solo them. So I remember spending a long time fighting my way all the way through to the back left corner all the way up the stairs that wind back into the southern part, which is like where the Angmarm Enclave is built into the hills, and finding a little instance up there called the library that you go into, um, where you can find Molcolum. So I paid a visit to my old friend and killed him. And um, his dying text is kind of amusing. He says, uh, uh, he says, how amusing, my accounts are balanced at last. So, kind of funny to see an, an accountant, Angmarum, um, who's uh, more concerned about the numbers uh, lining up in his spreadsheet than he is about the fact that I just uh, stuck a, an axe through his chest. Um, so, besides that quest line, there's also the Spirits of Old quest line, where you collect Angmarum tokens from uh, from the spirits that are around uh, Imlad Belkov. And there's a name written on them, Delushes, where you can eventually go back and um, confront him in a, in a second quest. And he gets away, and you find out that he's being ruled by uh, what's called an Iron Crown Spirit Master, uh, who resides up um, near the library of Mulcolum on the southern half. So that's another uh, soloable quest, although a difficult one. And if you kill him, I think Delucha shows up and you can finally kill him too. So we find that there are kind of major forces marshalling the dead in the Imblad Balkoth. Uh, the next quest line, there's four of them. So the, the third quest line that's major is uh, the Tincture quest line. Uh, so basically, one of the dwarves gives you a... You go uh, into Malinhad to pick up some plants, Nightshade, I believe it is, and make a tincture that uh, a dwarf wants you to apply to some of these monoliths that appear to be where the spirits are congregating in Imlidbelkov. And uh, after you apply the tincture to the three monoliths, um, he tells you to go back and uh, find the cauldron of death that is being used. So the bodies of the dead are being thrust into this cauldron, which is glowing green, and, um, and emerging is white. And so when you find the cauldron of death, and uh, its keeper appears, and if you defeat him, he's uh, the one who first refer, you know, first refers his usual dying line, you know, you can kill me, but you'll never get the Lord of Pestilence. So this is the first time in the game I can remember hearing the name of the Lord of Pestilence, which turns out to be the Gaunt Lord Ferndur, who uh, plays such a major role in the in the Ibir Absence quest line. Uh, specifically, uh, as the final boss in the um, in the Lost Temple instance. So, if you finish the Purification of Death and Cauldron of Death quest lines, you can get a quest to do a raid called the Master of Imlad Balkoth, Ferndur. And believe it or not, um, I had never pursued. You have to finish, I think, the other quest line as well in order for this one to appear where you collect foul waters from the eastern pools, and then you collect foul waters from the western pools, which are the ones that are deadly. So you have to find only roiling spots that are along the uh, edge so that you don't wade out into the water, which would kill you. And uh, if you do that, as well as the tincture quest line, you get, um, you get access to the raid, the Master of Imnod Balkov. So this may be one of the first raids that people ran into in the game um, in Angmar, the second being uh, the Bogbareth raid, 
uh, where you uh, needed basically supposed to get a group of 12 together. And I believe it probably came out before Heligrod as well. So it may have been one of the first raid quests actually in the game. And I had never finished all the feeder quests. You know, getting the sources of the water in the western pools was very difficult to do as a solo on level. Um, so I was very happy to go into um, into Imlet Balkoth to uh, find Ferndur. And uh, it's, he's described as one of the strongest evil agents in Angmar outside of Karndum itself. And if you go out into the western area, there is a small island filled with elder fettered spirits. Matter of fact, it happens to be where I'm standing right now. And uh, basically it tells you if you kill all of them on the island, Ferndur may appear. And I experimented with this the other day and I found out that even if you had already done the quest and completed it, you could still come out here and kill all the spirits and have Ferndur appear and fight him again. He's got about 200,000 morale. So I went ahead and did that again. And actually, the first time I'd killed him, I got a trophy, which I'd never had before, the Skull of Ferndur, which you can fill from the taxidermy area in Bree. And it's a little skull that uh, has little flies flying around it to put in your house. So I was glad to acquire that one I had never had before. And actually, the second time I burned him down, he dropped um, he dropped a Loremaster tomb, Tomb of the Frog. So um, you Loremasters out there may know that one of the best ways to collect all the cosmetic pets in the game as a Loremaster is to run instances in Angmar. Specifically, Barad Gularan, in my experience, seems to drop them the most. But you can also get them, apparently, from soloing Ferndur. So while I'm talking about, uh, let's see how long it takes me to clear. There's about 30 spirits on the island. We're just going to try to see how quickly I'll run around. Let's see if we can group them up here. Uh, even on level, this might be tougher to do with a, with a soft class. Uh, I'll do some AOEs. They're kind of spread around, so i got to run around in a circle. All right. So two more groups to collect. Got them. One more group to collect. Okay, here comes everybody. So we got the whole island. I don't know if you can hear me over the fight. Better watch, make sure no one's got a power drain that would stink. Alright, spirits. Almost done. Yeah, this would have needed a big group of people. These guys have 32k apiece, which back in the day was pretty healthy. They're tightly packed, six or seven groups. Almost done. It's not the DPS, it's just they're, they're scattered around. You can't fight them all at once. And there's one guy left. Missed him. Shoot a couple arrows his way. All right. All right, and here's Ferndur the, the Virulent. He comes out of his little thing. He says, what? Is it possible? Invaders? Yes, it's possible. All right, so he's got about 182K. I'm going to work with him while I talk. So the last quest line in Imlad Belkuoth is the foul water. So as I mentioned, uh, you collect the foul waters from the eastern pools and the western pools, and the dwarf starts to suspect that uh, the source of the fell waters is really what is poisoning Imlad Balkorth and making it so dangerous and so poisonous. And uh, he basically gives you a quest to look further up upstream to, to, to try to locate the source of the foul poison. Uh, 
he mentions that you might want to look in Irugarth. So um, I've run Irugarth many times. I've soloed it many times. And uh, I've always noticed that um, on the bottom of it, along the eastern edge, um, near one of the shrines that you have to get to do the deed, under the fell water source waterfall, there is a tentacle washed up on the shore, a tentacle of Helchgam. And I always thought, I mentioned it previously, I always thought it was a great touch by the devs to put that there so that you get uh, an idea of you know, what's further coming in Karndun once you get past this. But I never knew it was part of a quest deed to go and inspect it because I'd never had the debt. I'd never had the deed before. All right, what did I get out of this? Gulchor, Everlin, Ferthrenon, blah, 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 and Ferndurskull. All right, no tombs that time around. But some good bind on equip loot I can send along to some level 49s if they want. Um, so the tentacle of Helchgam that you find in Urugarth is actually a quest item, which I never knew before. It's called Further Upstream. So I soloed Urugarth. Basically, I, I ran all the way to the first boss, you know, until it was like 50 guys around, killed all of them. Then ran all the way to the tentacle on my second run through, killed another 50 guys. <laughs> Didn't take long. And was able to click on the tentacle of Helchgam that's in the Urugarth instance. Um, so very unusual to see a quest item inside of an instance like that. I thought that was a neat touch. I can't remember too many other times uh, where I've seen that. Uh, I guess they do it commonly enough with things like curmudgeon mushrooms and uh, things like that. And some of the uh, So I guess it's not uncommon. But I thought it was a little unusual to end a quest line from a quest hub inside of an instance like that. And if you return at that point to um, uh, in Hillman ally in Tarman Sursa, which is the the kind of camp that's inside the gate of Karndum, uh, you know, as a quest hub for Karndum and Urugarth, um, you will get a quest from Runaleth, who will tell you to uh, penetrate Karndum and to go find Helchgam. And so, uh, in order to finish up the quest line, I, uh, I went through Karndum and I soloed my way into Helchgam and I killed Helchgam, which I haven't done in a while. It's always adventurous because even if you're much overpowered, one slip into the green water will spell your doom. So you got to kind of keep an eye out for when he shakes the log and make sure you're not anywhere near. Um, so I killed Helchgam to end that quest line and, um, and uh, finish up, you know, something that's been outstanding. And I don't know about you, but if I'm in old zones and I see a ring over someone's head, sometimes I'm like, you know, if I'm on my main, I'm like, eh, I'm just going to clean that up. Because one thing I like about the game is when you run around and everyone that you've done something for tells you how awesome you are. You usually have a quote over their head saying, brag, you saved us. And I like to hear that everywhere I go, being a narcissistic alcoholic dwarf. So um, so I like to, sometimes I like to clean up some of these outstanding quests that are around that I haven't gotten to. And this was a big one, uh, kind of closing out the entire uh, quest stream within Imlad Belkov. Uh, resulting in the Watcher and Health Camp. So, good design by Turbine that leads you from Imlad Balkorth to Tarman Susa, up through Urgarth and into Karn Doom, kind of leading you by the nose through those instances, and a wonderful story that runs through uh, all those zones. Uh, so, very well done. And uh, outside of that, um, just for the heck of it, I picked up the only remaining quest in Tarman and Tarman Sursa I had never finished before, which was the one to go save uh, save the girl that's in Balagulran and escort her all the way back out. 
um, you know, this woman's crying. She's like, save my family. And I'm like, finally, all right, fine. I'll save your family so you can thank me next time I come through. So that quest hub is clear now, too. Um, enjoyed revisiting um, Angmar in general, as always, and uh, spending a little bit of time in Imlad Belkwath. And I hope you enjoyed hearing about some of my adventures there and bringing back some fond memories yourself. If you have some fond memories of actually going through Imlad Belkwath with a kin and doing some of these things with a group, I'd like to hear about it. So drop me a line and let me know. And with that, we are going to close this out and move on to our next beacon of Kalanhat. Or Halifurian, as the case may be. Yes, the Red Arrow has been delivered to Rohan, and they are on their way to Arsakor in Gondor. It's time for Blessed Relief. Brings us to the end of the 38th episode of Light the Beacons. I'd love to hear plaudits, feedback, rants, diatribes, and most of all, your constructive critique. You can contact me at bragsonofbalan at gmail.com. That's Bragg with two A's. The second A stands for Ascot. Facebook or Twitter at Bragsonofbalan or my website at lightthebeacons.com where I'd love for you to post comments directly on my podcast. I kindly request you take the time to create an iTunes review. It's been a long time. I didn't check this week, but I'm pretty sure I didn't get one. <laughs> if your comments incite me to forego my dwarven apathy, I will try to include them in the next podcast or respond in some way. So I hope you laughed either at or with me. I hope you might have learned at least a little something you didn't know before. Perhaps looked at the game with a slightly different perspective, especially the region of Imlad Belkwolf. And most of all, I hope you enjoy your week in Middle Earth. There's a lot of good stuff going on out there. Go out and be a part of it. This is Bragg, son of Balin, signing off. Baruch Kazah. And remember, the next time you cut the arm off a giant, go ahead and burn that sucker. Preferably atop a large, fiery beacon. Take care, gang.